Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Sports Radio, 92.9thegame.com. Sam Crenshaw, nine floors up in the Kia Studios on this Sunday morning. Minus Greg who's on assignment. We'll just say he's on assignment. He's missing it because he usually loves to be here when you come by to visit. So Greg is missing out today. We got Chris Draft in studio. Got Max working on the other side of the glass for you. It is the 8 o'clock hour. So glad that you're with us. And uh, Chris Draft is gracious enough to spend some time uh, with all the things that he's doing. A uh, busy man on the move to come out and talk some Falcons football, some college football, and and everything else. It's great to see him. And he's also got something very special he's working with. We're going to get into that with him before he gets away from us uh, to share what he does because you're a man on the move in so many different things with NFL alum, with Wounded Warriors, and with um, and, and with and with White Ribbon. So um, you really are on the move. You're, you're not a stationary target, man. You, you move around. Well, you know, this platform of the NFL is amazing. So, uh, you know, as much as I can, I'm just trying to really – help elevate the work that people are doing as they're out loving on people and changing lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you you are, you are doing it. You are putting it out there and mm-hmm. let people know all about those things. We talked with you a little bit about the, about the pro game, a little bit about the college game. Um, we talked a little bit about the Falcons and things to watch out for it and, you know, the expectations for this yep. year. Uh, the team worked out uh, Friday uh, down at, uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and trying to really establish that as a home yep. field. You know what it's like when the team is going well here. I'll tell people the Georgia Dome was a weapon. And you know, you know, the, the building, when, when you guys were doing well, the other team would break the huddle at a certain end and they couldn't hear themselves think. And so you know what fans here can do when this team gets going. Yeah, so I think you know, part of this offseason is, is really connecting that and, and reminding people that they are a difference maker. I think you know, you know, you know, the Atlanta fan uh, is, is – at times is seen as one that loves to tailgate yeah. and gets in the building a little bit later. And, um, you know, unfortunately, there's not enough talk about, you know, reminding our fans of how important they are. Yeah. Right? You know, the you know Seattle Seahawks, they have their 12 that, that's up there, and they raise a flag and remind their fans that this game, they can affect the outcome yeah. more than any other game out there. The fans can affect the game here Right? So when somebody comes in, it can be a home field advantage where they have to basically tweak all the things that they're doing on offense or when, a, you know, when we're, you know, the energy that just can completely change how you feel about the game. Yeah, yeah. And that's something they're trying to really reestablish for the team, but establish in this new building, uh, just having it so that we place other teams dread come into play. And uh, like I said, we know what that was in the old building because you were big. You guys were big, big part of that and experienced that over there. The offense we we think could be one that can be productive. We talked about the quarterback coming in, 
uh, that they're going to do some things. Desmond Ritter, him getting the keys to the car to drive this thing, getting some talent around him. Uh, Dan Olofsky from ESPN had these thoughts about what he thinks uh, could be the, the Falcons' offense. I've said this. I think Atlanta's going to try to replicate what Philly did last year with Jalen. And if you look at Atlanta, it's them. It's it's Desmond. It's Bijan. It's Cordero Patterson. And then it's Kyle Pitts. And if you're Arthur Smith, their head coach, it's like, how many different touches can those four guys get? I don't care how they get touches. You know, and when I say touches for Desmond, I would say five, six, maybe eight designed quarterback runs. Mm. You know, so I think the zone read will be a little bit more prevalent in their offense. So I think Arthur Smith is is ridiculous when it comes to run game. He's right there with Shanahan when it comes to run game designs. You get that from ESPN and mm. thoughts of that. You hear that, what does that make you think as well? They kind of left out your, your homeboy, Drake London. But, I mean, I think, you know, this is the second year for him and he needs to further establish well, himself. they left out Drake and they left out uh, Tyler Algieri. But I, I think what, what he's basically saying is you're going to have to be able to – you're going to spread the ball around. Uh, so it, it's going to take this creativity to make sure that you spread it out in a way that's effective where the guys are getting the touches that they need to be successful and then putting them in positions for them to be able to move around. So I, I think, you know, Cordero has done some amazing, amazing things, but he was pushed into being the running back, like this, this frontline running back. So now he can get back to doing things where it'll be a, a screen where you get the ball out to him and, and other ways of getting him the ball in space that are going to allow him to use his skills. Uh, again, definitely with, with Bijan, getting him the ball, I mean, the idea of quarterback runs, it's, not just so much that he needs to be able to run the ball, because I, I definitely not seeing him as a running quarterback, right. but just the idea that it puts pressure on the defense when a quarterback is mobile. And I think that's one of the biggest differences that we've seen in the game now is that back in the day they would say you either had a pocket passer right. or a running quarterback. And now they've, they've realized that you can have a mobile quarterback that can still throw the ball and, and, and – move around the pocket and get outside the pocket, but the pressure to run at the right time to be able to move the sticks, I mean, if that doesn't just wear a defense out, uh, I mean, it's a huge advantage. So knowing the right time to run, knowing the right time to call the plays to run is going to be critical. Yep, that's what makes a guy like Patrick Mahomes so 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 uh, so effective and, uh, you, you know, and so difficult to prepare for yeah. in an offense like that. Folks are spending time with Chris Draft, who's in studio with us uh, this morning. Always great to see him. Um, we talked a little bit about college football, and we didn't talk. We talked about mm-hmm. NIL. We talked about the conference realignment, but we didn't touch on this transfer yeah. portal. Um, thoughts about, about that? And you got some, some young folks <laughs> in your family who are coming up in the game and right now. Um, thoughts about how that and their recruitment, how, how that may change. Yeah, the, the, the game is changing, but uh, you know, I, I always have to put myself in somebody else's mindset. I mean, again, I can't, you know, as a as a starter on a team that I am comfortable with, that's different than somebody who's really looking at the career, you know, and it is. That's that's part of their career, their college career, and, and saying, is this the best place for me? And that you really have a choice to go someplace else. And so, I mean, I can't blame people for, for thinking, let me go someplace else and play. Let me go someplace and, and find a, a better experience. Because I, I can absolutely say to, to play one year at a, in, a, in a system where you don't feel <laughs> uh, comfortable. Yeah. And to play one year in a place where you feel where you're not appreciated, where they don't think that you really have a chance well, that's that's hard, and, and especially if all you're going to do is play in college. Uh, 
yeah, that's that's a that's a year down. So you it's definitely difficult to move and to learn a new system and, and to to compete again for a spot. But uh again, I, I can't blame folks for wanting to go. It's just, you know, being able to manage it in a way where it doesn't go crazy. But you know, again, at the end of the day, there's only so many positions. Right, right. And right. it is still yeah, you know, they still have to want you to be able to go someplace else. Absolutely. Absolutely. That that's the thing that's that's uh you know, that's the, it's a sliding thing that's moving back and forth, how to do it. Recruiting has been something. I do a lot with high school athletics, high school athletics and high school coaches are a bit frustrated because parents are frustrated. Um, you know, college coaches are going more for that experienced player. Some coaches only recruit the transfer portal. They're not recruiting incoming freshmen. And I don't know if that means they don't want to teach because people forget coaches are teachers. Uh, but if you got some people there, right? You know, right? You're right? It, it is. Yeah. But some some coaches are are better teachers than than others. But uh, again, it, it's it's just change. It's changing the game. It's changing the game. So really, it depends. Demands that a high school player is, uh, you know, that they're more knowledgeable. And there's more opportunities to become more knowledgeable now in high school versus where we were. Uh, the information. The information is incredible. Yeah. But but the, but the key is when we come down to it, college football and college sports, they're, they're business. <laughs> so that coach, if he thinks that the transfer person is, is going to help them win, right, then that's who he's going to pick, right? I mean, it's not this, oh, I, I like you so much. Yeah. You, know, I, I, you know, people say, when did you realize that, that it, it was a business? Was it when you got to the league? I was like, no. I went to Stanford and, and – and this scholarship, I mean, now it's it's like eighty thousand dollars a year to be able to go there. But I think at that time, maybe it was about forty. Okay. Right. And I knew that that was my scholarship donor did not like me that much, that he just wanted to give me some money. Right. Right. It was because I could play football, that made it where they offered me the right. job of playing football, and then basically pays me. Through my scholarship, so indirectly you're paid right, <laughs> to right. play football by your scholarship. So it's it's just the business, right? So same way here, and so unfortunately, there's going to be certain places that only want they want more transfer. Other ones that are going to build their programs up. But same as back in the day where you saw people bring in more GAC guys okay. rather than have more freshmen too. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's something we, we need experience. Some teams may need it more than others, and then you have that top shelf player who's still going to be who's still going to be, be recruited. Yep. You know, that, that, the top shelf guy, but it just makes it different, a little bit frustrating for some for some parents. I don't know what word you would uh, you know advise to them. He may have he may have to start out at the Division two level, but go there, but go there wherever you go, go and ball out where, wherever the money is, wherever somebody really wants you. That's where you want to be anyway. So. I mean, it, I would say if a young man is is frustrated or or a young woman, you know, they're frustrated, then in certain ways that means we got to put in some more work. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. But then, but then the other part is just you you have to own where you you where you where you stand, and uh, that might be getting recruited by a whole bunch of people, or it might not be that many. But as long as you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, "I gave everything That's that I have," yeah, man, don't apologize. Yeah. Yep, folks, we're spending time. We got Chris Draft here in studio with us, and uh, always great, you know, giving this guy to come by and share with us. Um, so passionate about the sports and and what he achieved, but also for young people who are coming along to make sure they get the most um, out of that experience. Because nothing like it. The thing that I always get, and I always think, man, it would be cool to do something on scout team, folks. Mm-hmm. What what makes what makes people want to be scout team folk? Mm-hmm. 
You know, you know, because you and I say that because you have to have them. You have to have them. Georgia does well because they got a heck of a scout team. Yes, you uh, know what I mean. They, uh, those guys could be playing somewhere, but and, but they choose to do what they're doing. I worked with a guy up in North Carolina. Yep. who was uh, he went to University of North Carolina. Now he could have gone to a smaller school and played basketball, but instead he was on North Carolina's JV team. Basically, they were fodder for the basketball mm-hmm. community. His assignment every day was to get abused by Kenny Smith. That was his gig. He yep. showed up every day after class and got abused by Kenny Smith. But he could have gone like to Catawba, a Pfeiffer, a Gardner Webb or somewhere and ball. Yeah. What is it? Because you know a lot of people who've done that. Yeah. You know, I, I guess it's hard for me to say that they aspire to just be on, uh, you know, on the scout team. Uh, but there are people that I think just realize the importance of all the positions on a team. Uh, when you look at you know folks say from from Georgia, I mean uh, outside the people that are walk-ons, they they realize that iron sharpens iron. I mean Alabama has done a tremendous job of really saying that you know you might only have one year, but you could be a Heisman Trophy winner in that one year, and people have bought in to yeah, being yeah. you know being behind somebody else and knowing by competing against each other, being in those places that they will be better for it, and so I, I think. It's not just the person that that really goes after doing that, uh, but it, it really does the culture really appreciate that everybody matters, right? The look that we get throughout the 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 week is critical to how we perform on Sunday. And so, does the coach basically treat the people that aren't playing like they're second class citizens, or do they realize that we need them all? Yeah. Right. And so that's, you know, the type of culture that you have will make it where the equipment guy and the trainers and all of those people have the respect the same way as whoever is that last person on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have it. And when you see a team succeeding, you better believe there's some folks that are pushing them every day uh, to get to get them ready. That's a big, big part of it. All right, folks, uh, we're going to talk more about this NBA final game two. Coming up tonight out in Denver, Miami, uh, Miami Heat, Denver Nuggets, and a guy who's been covering the Eastern Conference Final and from our area going to join us next, Coley Harvey from ESPN. Looking forward to talking with him. Chris Draft in studio with us. Got Max, other side of the glass uh, on this Sunday morning here. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game and 92.9thegame.com. Available everywhere on Odyssey. Sports Radio, 929 The Game, 929thegame.com. And Sam, not with, with Greg, you know, he, he's on assignment today. Like we think he might be at Bucky's hanging out, having some brisket. Um, you know, we'll check in with him you know, and see where he, where he is. He's on assignment, we will say, for this week. But I am here, and Chris Draft is in studio. It would be great to have him, former Falcons standout. We've been talking Falcons football. We've been talking college football. We've talked NIL. we talked transfer portal. we talked about all those type things. But we also talk about – uh, the NBA Finals that are going on and what we look forward to seeing between Miami and Denver in Game 2. A guy who's from this area who is covering uh, the Miami Heat and probably give us an extra insight that he guys has to spend a lot of time with them the last few weeks is Coley Harvey from ESPN. He joins us now on the WaitForIt.com hotline. Coley, good morning, man. Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? Good. We're doing great, doing great. Um, you know, we've been talking about this series and uh, what people are watching. Were you surprised by that first game? Uh, what happened with Miami? You feel like they were going in after a pretty emotional series there with Boston and, you know, Denver kind of had their way with them? 
Yeah, you know, it's honestly not too surprising to me just because, A, the Nuggets are really, really good, and that just kind of went on to, to show the country uh, essentially how good they've been all year, how consistent that Nuggets team has been all year. Uh, I mean, how how they can play without Jokic going off. Of course, I know he ended up with 27 points by the end of the game, but he barely scored in the first half. He was a distributor, uh, so it showed off some of those other pieces uh, that they have. In terms of Miami, you know, you mentioned that, that previous series. Um, yeah, not only were they coming off of a, a really emotional and, and drama-filled uh, series with the Celtics, but a long series. You know, I mean, they just had two days off between these games, uh, between game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals and, and game one um, of the finals the other night. Uh, that adds up. You know, that, that takes a toll. That, that, that wear and tear, especially with all the travel back and forth between Miami and Boston and having to go all the way to Denver, it adds up. Uh, so, honestly, I wasn't too surprised. I would expect uh, to see the, the Heat uh, maybe perform a little bit better tonight. But, uh, but again, that Nuggets team is very, very good. It's been the wavewood.com outline with Coley Harvey. He is social. You can find him always on Twitter, at Coley Harvey, at Coley Harvey. Um, you know, thoughts about this Miami team, and we talk about uh, teams that have the one or two stars or have a couple of guys that you know will be out front. This is basically Jimmy Butler and some dudes. Oh, you know, you know, what was your observation of, of 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 this particular team? Because you know, we know what the odds were of them getting here. Yet here they are with a chance to win a championship. You know, it's about the construction of the Heat teams for years. Uh, you know, this this goes back to when Pat Riley came in and and basically set the standard for the culture of, of his team. You know, he was he's always kind of been this. Uh, gritty, hard-nosed uh, uh, head coach himself when he was coaching, uh, uh, even as an exec, same kind of way. And he brings in players who kind of have that same mentality, uh, whether it is a guy like Jimmy Butler who was drafted, who is a star, or it's uh, getting in all these undrafted players. Yeah, they've got seven undrafted players on the Heat. That's the most of any team to appear in an NBA Finals uh, you know, since the draft started in, in 1966. So th- that just goes to show you that, that they're not afraid to, to get those guys who might have been French players elsewhere, who might have been on their last uh, opportunity. You know, Caleb Martin is a prime story. He was waived uh, from the Hornets after being undrafted and, and signed by them. He had no idea what his future held. Um, of course, it was Jay Cole, the rapper, who reached out to Karan Butler, who's, in, who's a, an assistant coach for the Heat, who also kind of played that way, that tough, that gritty way when he was a player. Uh, you know, and they give him a tryout, and here he is uh, just playing out of his mind after being with the Heat for two years and having a very good postseason. Um, of course, you know, mentioning game one, they've got to get him going again. He was, uh, I think he was one for four from three before he finally got, or 0 for four from three before he finally got going. Uh, they've got to get him going from long range because certainly uh, he was a key to their success in the Easter Conference Finals. But it, it is the mentality of this team to, to have those supporting uh, characters who can perform in a way that, uh, that really balances with Jimmy Butler well. Yeah. Talk about the coaching. Um, and, and, and is this one uh, instance that he's been doing it for quite some time? And we talked earlier this morning about he's you know kind of in the shadow of Pat Riley, which is a big shadow to outrun, but seems like in his own right um, he's established that. And I think that's really the difference, really, between both of the coaches in this, in this uh, final. Yeah, you know, uh, that, that's, why they're, that's why the Heat are in the finals, to be quite honest, because Eric Spolstra 
uh, uh, you know, has a way of using the personnel that he has in a way that, that really uh, can maximize success. Granted, they had a rough regular season. You know, we saw what happened in that play-in game against the Hawks. Uh, I mean, Atlanta just, just really owned Miami in that game. And, uh, and yet they, they just know how to really turn it on with their backs, so to, so to speak, against the wall. Um, you know, rolled past Chicago at the end of that play-in game got past the Bucks, you know, saw what happened in that New York series. And then, uh, you know, even after being up 3-0, having to rally in game seven uh, the way they did the other night, that just that just speaks again to uh, to that kind of back against the wall mentality. And it starts with Spolstra. You know, that, that's, that's the way that he's been, uh, it seems, wired throughout his time uh, in the league. Uh, you know, the way that he had to kind of start from the bottom, so to speak, to get to where he's at. And, and uh, you know, it seems like that's something that he, he still certainly takes with him. He, he still will operate in a, in a manner in which he, understand, he understands what it has taken for him to achieve what, what he's achieved. And so he wants to make sure that his players uh, embrace their journey as well. And, um, you know, and so I, I think you're absolutely right that, that it starts with the coaching uh, with, with Miami uh, in terms of getting them in this spot as well. This is, this is Chris Draft. Do you, do you think that this would be the biggest underdog story if, if the Heat find a way to win the NBA Finals? Would this be the NBA's biggest underdog story ever? Oh, that's a, that's a heavy question. Uh, you know, Chris, I, 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 I would say it's probably safe to say uh, yes, uh, just because of, of where Miami stood coming into these playoffs. It speaks to – you know, the, the, the reason why the play-in games exist, um, you know, if you don't have that play-in round, of course, uh, you know, we, we might not be talking about the Heat in this way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think when you talk about odds, that, that's what everybody's going to look at. I, I don't know the full numbers off the top of my head, but I believe these are some of the steepest odds. I don't know if they're number one, but they're some of the steepest odds of any team that's been in the finals to win. Uh, that all being said, I, you know, I – I, I, you know, I just can't see Denver losing this series right now. Um, Jokic is just too strong. They're very well rested. Uh, they've got a little bit of a home court advantage being in Denver uh, with the altitude. I know that uh, the, the Heat have tried to say that's not a, it's not an issue. It's not a storyline. I mean, you know, you you played in the league. You know what it's. You played in the NFL. You know what it's like when you're changing altitude. Uh, uh, and and uh, and yeah, it can be an issue at times, especially for a basketball team that just played a really, really tough and, and emotionally draining series. So I, I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but if the Heat pull it off, I would say that we'd have to consider it um, uh, 1A, 1B, 1C, somewhere in that order of uh, the, the most uh, uh, Cinderella story in NBA history. Folks, we're talking to Coley Harvey, um, and you, of course, you know he, he's, he's from Atlanta. He's an Atlanta-area product uh, working with ESPN. You covered the Boston-Miami series. What do we make of Boston um, and was that because, um, Matt, my goodness, to win those three straight games and then lose it all. Um, thoughts about that team because um, everybody had them say, okay, if they're going to run the table, they're going to make history, and it'll be Boston in the final. Uh, but that team struggled throughout the playoffs, and, you know, yeah. you had to wonder what happened if they have had the previous coach if he was still in place with that team. I think that would have been different. Uh, what do you think we're going to see going forward with them? Yeah, you know, I, I, that's that's going to be probably this is probably the biggest off-season question in the NBA at this point, especially now that Philadelphia is, you know, that that issue has been solved. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I would I would say that uh, 
you know, personnel may change. Uh, obviously, coaching is not going to change. I, I wasn't convinced that that was going to, to happen, uh, you know, even during the season when there were all the, the conversation about Joe Missoula and, you know, and should he go? It, it, it doesn't fit the culture of who the Celtics are right now. It doesn't fit Brad Stevens, the GM. It doesn't fit his, his mentality, his approach. And, uh, and by the way, I mean, Missoula basically had a week to get ready before the season started, and he had his team playing exceptionally well uh, at points throughout the year. Uh, that is a flawed Celtics team, though, and we saw it in the Eastern Conference Finals. We saw it all throughout the playoffs. I mean, we, we saw it in Atlanta. Uh, that, that was a team that was certainly exposed at times. Um, you know, if, I, I think if the Hawks could have really turned it on, maybe in game one or two, and had a little more of the cohesion that we saw later in the series, if we saw more of that earlier in that first-round series, the Hawks might have actually stunned Boston then. You know, that that was honestly the toughest uh, test that the Celtics had throughout the postseason was that first round. And yet, uh, you know, yet still here they, they they fell apart in, you know, in the moment when they really needed the most. I, I, from a personnel standpoint, you know, the, the biggest question mark is what's going to happen with Jalen Brown and, uh, and Jason Tatum. Are they going to stay together? Uh, you know, if, if I'm a betting man, I, I would – probably bet on that not being the case um but uh but who knows time will tell uh i know hawks fans are really hoping that Jalen brown ends up in a hawks uniform being from the area himself um we'll see you know he's a very good player he he just unfortunately had his worst game at the uh at the worst possible moment you know if uh if he's able to perform in game seven the way that he get, did in game one of uh of the eastern conference finals um, you know, we're talking about a Boston Denver series right now. Yeah, yeah. You just made a lot of folks in Atlanta smile, folks. It's Coley Harvey saying you, you get Jalen Brown gonna be in Atlanta Hawks uniform. Uh Coley hey, comes I, I don't know if it'll happen or not, but I, I know it would look nice for uh, for the hometown. Yep, yep. And you can see what kind of vibe we got here for the Hawks now too. So a lot of people will be really <laughs> excited to see that happen. Chris Coley is a national reporter. Uh, and, um, you know, during the NFL season, his, his uh, assignment was Monday Night Football. And, man, um, early this year, he, he had a chance to be a uh, part of what I think is the story of the year um, up, up in Cincinnati. And the man spent day and night out in the freezing cold uh, telling that. I was telling Chris about about you doing that, that story, Coley, and um, it's remarkable. And we saw something what DeMar Hamlin did yesterday. He was doing, I forget what he was, was he was busy out doing something. He, yeah. He's uh, essentially giving away AEDs to, uh, right. you know, the, the defibrillators to uh, youth groups in Buffalo. And that's, uh, that's something that he has pledged as one of his missions. Now that he has uh, survived that dramatic scare in Cincinnati on Monday night football, uh, he wants to give back to, places um, that don't maybe have some of the life-saving equipment that was able to, to, to keep him here. Yeah. yeah. I think that was a, that was a huge part of uh, really learning uh, within the game. Uh, I know Buffalo was one of my teams, so there was a lot of uh, conversations that happened afterwards, uh, you know, as they not only fought to meet our active players and, and make sure that they were okay, but uh, there were, you know, our legends group, uh, of really checking in with them. And, and, you know, I remember being on a call where, there, you know, a lot of the players were able to reflect on, I think it was Carl Everett that had gotten hurt uh, in a Buffalo Bills game where he got carted off the field and ended up hurting his mm-hmm. neck. And, and, uh, and over that, that Zoom call, it was, it was obvious that 
they hadn't had a chance to really deal with the trauma of, of seeing their teammate on the field. And, and so, like so many guys, and I'm giving it from a Buffalo perspective, so many guys in, in, in seeing DeMar were reflecting on events in, in their career, be it as the individual person or something that happened to them or something that happened to their teammate that they hadn't actually talked through. They hadn't really processed because so much of playing this game is a, a little bit of a denial of how violent it is and, and how that really it is not a cliche, but that it could be your last play at any time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Coley, thoughts about the fact that through that story, we found out about, about the preparation that's in place. And I think that's the, the, the other thing. Obviously, we saw a man who we, we thought we had lost who was, who was still with us. But we found out about the preparation that's in place, and I don't know what it was like for you to find those things out. Uh, yeah, you know, it, 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 it's something that you're you're not surprised by. Um, you know, you do see some of the meetings pregame. I, I know I've probably walked past the meetings where the trainers are talking to the officials and they're going over, you know, their protocols, various things. I haven't necessarily always known what those meetings were or what they were about, but I've certainly walked past uh, that happening in the tunnel. Uh, but it just goes to show – the public more than anything that there is a level of, of awareness and readiness that has been going on for years uh, within not just the NFL, but Major League Baseball does it, the NBA does it, college uh, football and basketball, other college sports, they do it there as well. Um, what it also speaks to, though, is that it's so crucial and vitally important to have those AEDs very quickly uh, to, to where you can get to them very quickly, but also that you have people in place who understand the value of CPR, when to administer CPR, and how rapidly uh, it, it, it has, to, uh, has to be administered. That's what really helped to uh, not just save DeMar Hamlin's life, but it also got him to a place where they could transport him to the hospital quickly. That's the other part of it. You know, you, you do hear about some of the protocols that various leagues have in place, and when we wonder why certain cities get teams when various leagues expand and other cities don't, Part of it has to do with trauma centers and, and how, how readily accessible they are, in particular, to where the stadium is. In Cincinnati's case, uh, you know, University of Cincinnati Medical Center was 10 minutes away from the stadium. Uh, and that's, that's by driving normally. I used to live in Cincinnati. I lived real close to the hospital when I, was, when I covered the Bengals years ago. So I knew exactly where they were going. And I could tell you that, yeah, it took me 10 minutes with no traffic. In an ambulance, I'm sure it took much less time. So, uh, so that was crucially important in that case as well. Fantastic, fantastic, Cole. We always great to catch to, to, to catch up with you. So glad you had some time for us here in your hometown. Uh, the, yeah, the, 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 the holler at us today, man. Always proud of what you're doing. Uh, keep doing that, and we hope to catch up with you down the road. But always great to catch up with you this morning. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sam, and we'll talk to you guys next Thank time. Thank you. All right, that's Coley Harvey. And, man, that's the thing. We found out about all the preparation that is there uh, that the NFL has had, had in place. I mean, and, and I'm like him. I, I've been on the field pregame, yep. and you see those meetings and mm -hmm. the EMTs, and you don't know what all is going about. But, man, to find out the level of preparation. Well, and it's just what we were talking about before. What, what does a team actually look like, right? That The team that performed and got them to that hospital is a part of – what makes the team successful, mm -hmm. necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic, fantastic stuff. Uh, speaking of teams, you're on a team because you're getting ready to, to take off here in a little while and, and, and go out of town for something very special. We want to get you that 
and more on the White Ribbon Project. Chris Strapp with us here for one more segment here on this Sunday morning. You stay with us on Sports Radio 929 The Game and 929thegame.com. Sports Radio, 99 The Game at 99thegame.com. Sam Crenshaw, nine floors up in the Kia shows. Got Max on the other side of the glass. And yeah, Chris Draft in studio. And some folks may wonder, why are you playing that music? You know what I discovered? This is like the music from, from Batman. Okay. The, the, the Batman that, that Prince did the soundtrack for. And the, the Flash is coming out. Movie's coming out another week. And Batman appears, in a, and it is Michael Keaton. That's right. At 71 right. years yeah. old, Michael Keaton is going to be Batman again, dude. You know, and and uh, he's gonna put on that suit, and <laughs> I'm like, it's been a, it's been a minute, you know, and I don't know what kind of stunts he's doing or if he's got somebody else to do all the the fight scenes for him, but it, and, and he's not that big a guy. Sometimes you just have to bring it back, man. You know, I mean, and so at 71 years old, Michael Keaton is Batman again, and so that that's why we played that. I'm, I'm pretty because I I love that I, I love that Batman music. Well, you know, I, I you know he can still move. He was in the movie uh, American Assassin. It's uh, based on a Vince Flynn book, and so he he was moving in that. So he's not just oh yo seventy one. I mean yeah. he's in shape. He's got a Hollywood trainer, so you know he would have went through some things. Yeah, okay. So, so <laughs> we will watch for that. That, 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 that. That's coming up. That's coming up at, at the movies as we uh, don't do a casting call today as Greg would want to do. He would appreciate that we brought something out about uh, about a film. And whatnot. And once again, you know, tell you what, you want to catch up with things that are happening in the area. Yeah, there's a writer strike, and I know that affects folks out in your hometown, uh, big time out in California. But here is as well with the film industry and some of the productions are slowing down uh, a bit until they get that uh, all cleared up and, and, and rectified. Uh, but still, there are some projects that are ongoing, and still there's a need. Uh, make sure and go and check uh, check our website. And go to uh, get cast with Greg. That is on Twitter. And checking the latest casting call that he has uh, placed there for some openings where they're looking for extras and for other roles you can play in productions. Whatever your talent is, whatever skill you have, you can probably use it in some of the productions that are going on in and around uh, the Metro Atlanta area. Uh, some, some if they're, if they're already written, they still got to they still got to shoot them. But if they're not writing anything new, it'll slow some things down for some time. The reality shows, I think the game shows, court TV shows, I think those shows are going to continue to be produced. Um, as far as the time goes, so Greg would appreciate that since he's away. We got to talk with you about what 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 you're doing. We got Chris well, Reffin. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about Greg real quick. He he's supposed to be get me what? as a you know on one of these shows. Okay, well so, we see which one. So every time he, you know we come in, he talks about all these things that are happening, <laughs> and he's like, "See, Dre, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you." <laughs> that ain't happened yet. <laughs> Where's my show, Greg? I don't know. We have to find. <laughs> Because he does always say, "Yeah, you want to be in one." And then there's, you know, there's the writer strike. So now he has an excuse. He's like, "Oh, you know, draft is a writer strike." So, hey, <laughs> I'm just saying. I know it. I know it. Because he always says, "Yeah, hey, you want to be in one? He want to get you in one." He had, he had me lined up for once, once, and I couldn't get my schedule right. He says, "See, I tried to get you." I'm like, "All right, man, it's okay." It's okay. Mm-hmm. But that is the casting call. Like once again, you go to 929thegame.com uh, slash. Casting call to check and see what Greg has listed. He updates the list each and every week. Um, 
you have a busy week coming up. Matter of fact, you got a busy next next day or two. You got to take off and you hit it up north, right? Heading up to Chicago to uh, ASCO, which is the uh, American Society for Clinical Oncology, uh, the biggest cancer conference in the world, is in Chicago at this time every year, and it coincides with June being Cancer uh, Survivors Month, but also today is Nas- National Cancer Survivors Day. Wow. So for all the cancer survivors out there and, and for all the people that care about them, that are supporting them, uh, today we absolutely see you and appreciate you and, and know that there are people that are fighting to push things along and make sure there's progress. And there's people like me who are trying to channel my linebacker spirit every day and saying, hey, we got to, we got to move this thing. Yeah. Yep, you do that. You do that quite a bit. So once you get to Chicago, you got some meetings. What you got to? So there's a couple of receptions tonight, and then tomorrow we have a, a really a blessing of uh, doing making white ribbons. These white ribbons that we give to survivors and and caregivers and people in the medical community and and, and appreciating them. They're made with love and appreciation. But our, the white ribbon project ribbons we're going to make them at the firehouse okay. uh, where they shoot Chicago Fire. Okay. And this last season, they actually had a narrative where one of the firefighters' wives had uh, lung cancer. Uh, so it makes it strategic to be able to do that, uh, again, as a backdrop of ASCO. But the other thing is that Rush University, which is right down the street, actually has a screening program for firefighters. Okay. And so they'll, they'll have some representatives out, hopefully you know, some of their nurses, some of their surgeons. And uh, we have a rep that, that runs the program with their firefighters in Boston and we'll, we'll be able to, to come and attend and and then some university students that have done a tremendous job through their organization called the American Lung Cancer Screening Initiative where they have 30 chapters all over uh, all over uh, the U.S. Uh, actually all over North America that are raising awareness for lung cancer uh, so it should be cool it should be real cool Monday morning so I'm gonna I'm, you know, I'm gonna go to church <laughs> I'm going to impact church and <laughs> yep, then I'm yep. gonna go run back to the airport, and then jump on and go up to Chicago, uh, be there for a day, and then I'm going to come back here because the Falcons have practice on Tuesday, and, and they invited some of us old guys to come and hang not out. Not old guys. Not, Older not, no, guys. Okay, okay. Yeah. We'll see old, old, old guys. Yeah, get old guys. <laughs> Older guys, older okay. guys. So uh, guys that don't want to go hit nobody anymore, guys. <laughs> yeah, they always ask, don't you wish you were, don't you wish you were still playing? They're like, uh, no. I mean, I, you know, I think everybody would take the money, but yep. there's a point where it's not about do I just want to play. If I say I want to play, that means that 330-pound man that is now even stronger yeah. and faster and, and faster. quicker, yeah. that I want to go yeah. toe-to-toe. <laughs> heads, yeah, 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 nah, nah. No, no, not so much. More, and, and, I, and, and more importantly, I can't do that. <laughs> That's something. That is something. Now, the thing of it is, you know, you, you, you're, you're busy year-round, you know, with, with, with White Ribbon. And uh, you do take a lot of uh, cancer survivors to games. Yeah. And so talk about what, what that experience is like. It seems like it's always very special. So, uh, you know, we've, we've taken survivors to games, you know, since my wife passed in, you know, December 2011. And really we started doing that in, in uh, the next year, November of, of 2012. And, you know, the, the key was identifying leaders, you know, so we're not just looking for survivors, but really looking for survivors that are advocates that want to be leaders like my wife that want to fight for other survivors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then by taking them to a game is is number one saying, hey, if you're willing to fight for other people, that means you're carrying a lot of weight. So let's let's go to this game and, and you know, 
fill our soul with the energy that's here, uh, but also want you to get this to meet all the fans here and, and, and realize that they're that you you've got backup. Yeah. Right. My my people, you got backup. Uh, and then as you're watching the game, really as we talked about earlier, realize that the game has to be played. Right. It, there's not a guarantee of, uh, of win or loss unless you just decide you don't want to play. And then yeah. we can guarantee that there's a loss. And so that's the spirit that we try to you know, infuse within the cancer work is, again, finding those leaders, lifting them up, reminding them that there is a, 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 a team, there's a public that is supportive, and then realizing within this fight we're going to be chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And so – what we can control is the team that we are and the energy that we have with that team. We can't completely guarantee the victory that says that everybody's going to be cured. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's the challenge I, I would say for this month, you know, but really it's a challenge that are all the months, but more specifically as it relates to the lung cancer community, it's a challenge for us with these white ribbons is acknowledging survivors, acknowledging leaders. And we're, working on this 10 for 10. You know, we did it earlier during the year, but really a 10 for 10 during this, this year for all our academic cancer centers of making sure that they acknowledge 10 of their survivors that really are, again, are people that are willing to stand up. And, and in doing that, do it publicly yeah. and talk about the changes that are happening. Talk about the progress. Make sure people know that we're not in the same place that we were last year. And we're definitely not in the same place as five years ago and now definitely not 10 years ago. So let them know that things are changing. Yeah. Yeah. And you are putting the word out and letting people know in, in, in definite terms. Uh, my goodness, you know, from coast to coast, I follow social media, look up. You were something recent with, with uh, the Delta Airlines here in town? Yeah, so I, anytime I can do an event with Brian Jordan, man. Yeah, you, you and dude, BJ. You know, is one of the most underrated athletes, you know. Cause two, he, sport, he two, two sport, two sport guy, just like you, two, two sport guy. Sports. So, you know. Play, you know, played with the Falcons, and, and, and he was the guy that decided, I'm just going to play baseball and, and, and went that way rather than with, you know, with Dion and then Bo just basically got forced because of his, his hip injury. But an amazing athlete that because Bo and Dion are so big, yeah. You, you, yeah. you lose Brian in that conversation. But, uh, yeah, we had an opportunity to uh, join forces with, with Delta Airlines. Uh, they had their Delta jet drag where – they have teams of 25, pull a 757, <laughs> uh, and you do that for time. And so uh, they had, you know, those teams consist of, of Delta employees from uh, all the different hubs all over the, all over the world. They okay. fly in, and, and uh, you know, they're competing against each other, but also at the same time competing to raise monies for the American Cancer Society. So... Uh, the Delta jet drag that happened is about a month ago. They raised Delta raised one over one point, you know, one point one million dollars. Wow, really? Yeah. So power, powerful. They, you know, again, it just shows the commitment. You know, Delta is an Atlanta company. American Cancer Society, their home is here in Atlanta. Uh, their offices were right off Centennial Olympic Park. They're about to have offices again. They were virtual for a little bit, but this is Atlanta, man. You, you, you take these, you know, these two brands that come together, Delta that impacts the world and the American Cancer Society that impacts the world in mm -hmm. terms of cancer. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden you have an amazing event and raise a lot of money. Yeah, that's fantastic, fantastic. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about being a two-sport athlete, you were doing that at the collegiate level. We talk about the pro level. You know, we mentioned earlier you played out in Omaha at the College Baseball World Series. 
How did you, you know, your best way you would tell someone who wants to do that? Because some <laughs> kids won't want to do it. Two sports, two sports in school, because college in general yes. is a time management exercise. It, it, it is. And, uh, you know, I, I realized that I didn't have any more time. So, <laughs> so I would say it's extremely difficult, depending on the position that you play in football or whatever sport that you play will lend itself to that. Uh, uh, for me, by playing linebacker and, you know, my, my second year, uh, the first year I I did spring ball and baseball at the same time. Wow! And, and uh, literally, what? Yeah. So I would go to baseball practice for two hours, and I would run up, change out of my baseball stuff, run over the football, change, and then go run out on the field for about two and a half hours, uh, and then you have your meetings afterwards. So I did that for about a month within you know in the middle of uh, uh, your baseball of the baseball season, season yeah. which. Literally is is not the best thing for your body, but uh, I couldn't see doing it a different way because if I would have left the baseball team for you know a month, I mean, how do how do I go back to the team? How do I go back and say I'm here? Right? I didn't I didn't feel like that I I could do that you know for myself. I mean, they were like, well, if you have to do it, you have to do it because you're on a football scholarship. But I'm like, if I'm on this team, I need to be on this team, and so. It, I definitely paid for it, but uh, it was the only way that I could see myself doing it. And then, you know, I'm a, I'm a football player, and I was on a football scholarship, so I I needed to be out there in football. So the the next year <laughs> when it got to spring ball, I said, no, nah, I, can't, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I, I ended up transitioning and not playing baseball after after that time. But there's definitely been – we've had guys like John Elway who played right. both sports. Uh, right. Toy Cook, if you remember him – Played with the Saints and the 49ers and uh, Carolina for a second. Cornerback uh, that did it. My man, you know, so there's been a number of guys that have been able to. Uh, right. You know, Russell Wilson's a, a, a right. guy. Right, example uh, of it, right. But it is difficult. Uh, I would say I loved playing both, and so the transition from doing that from high school, I'd always done it. So it wasn't like, oh, my goodness, you're playing both. No, it was a different level, and it was something I enjoyed doing, but there was always that yeah. point where I couldn't do them. Yeah, I figure your friends and whatnot didn't see much of you. No, you they didn't. didn't. <laughs> and and, and I, I'll tell you, there was a there was a point there where I just had this this amazing appreciation of uh, Bo and and Dion and what they were able to accomplish. Like I said, this is what I want to do. I want yeah, to do yeah, it at yeah. that level. And then it was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> these people are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 man. Oh, it is phenomenal. Well, you're amazing, and when, and, that, and that's why we appreciate you coming through being on, man. Always good, good to see you, catch up with you. Thanks so Thank much you. for having much continued success with the White Ribbon. So Project. if I can do a plug real quick, okay. man, we got these ribbons. If you have a connection with lung cancer, if you're a survivor or you have a connection with, with lung cancer, definitely reach out to me. We have a ribbon for you. If it is not made right now, it will be made very quickly. We want you to have it. If you're here in this Atlanta area or wherever you are, we will get you a ribbon. It doesn't matter where you are. We will get it to you. Okay. All right. And we're going to take a picture of it and put it on our social media uh, going forward. If you know, if you know, all you can do is follow Chris Draft on any of his social platforms and you will see that as well. Chris, thanks so much for everything. Safe travels to Chicago and back and we hang out with the seasoned guys up at Flowery yes. Branch this week. Thank you. All right. All right. Stay tuned. Headed for the nine o'clock hour. We're going to talk more about the NBA finals and Braves baseball. That is coming up when you stay with us on this Sunday morning on Sports Radio 929 The Game and 929TheGame.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 